Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is up, my friends? You are very, very welcome along. I hope you're all well. You know what? I have a lot to get off my chest today. Really, really disappointed. Look, disappointed isn't the word. Angry at the situation around the refereeing performance we've seen yesterday. Uh, and a few other bits and pieces, of course. We'll have an Alexis McAllister update for you guys. A little bit on Manuel Ugarte. A little bit on Jimmy Milner. Uh, and look, anything you guys want to chat about, because it's your show. You let me know what you want to talk about, and we'll get stuck into it. Um, right, how are we all doing? Who's better, Alvarez or Nunes? I mean, I mean, I don't know how to even compare, to be honest. I wouldn't say no to either. Let me put it that way, Troy. I like Alvarez. Julian Alvarez is a good player. I said it when Manchester City signed him. They're getting an absolute bargain for the money they paid. But, you know, Darwin's a very different type of player. He's more physical. Uh, Alvarez is more of an out-and-out goal scorer. Um, Both, I suppose, have decent pace. I don't know. Um, Alvarez is more polished at this moment in time with the looks of it. But both, again, very good players. Is it true we've signed McAllister? Yes. Sort of. Pretty much. We have, yeah. It's, it's, it's a done deal. It is a done deal. And I will go in to speak about the exact price of it and stuff like that as well. And I think it's going to be less than you've seen reported. You know, I've seen 70 millions reported a lot. I've got a little bit of information that I think will confirm it's a bit less than that. But again, it's uh, it's class that we're signing them. Uh, in my opinion, I think McAllister's a brilliant signing. Shame he didn't come to United. Uh, United were admirers of him. Look, on Alexis McAllister, so the information that I've read and the information that I think Fabrizio has put out and a couple of little whispers that you pick up along the way, I think we will see this deal for Alexis McAllister come in a touch under £60 million. Uh, I've got not got exact numbers for you yet, but as per Fabrizio's report, uh, I believe that the numbers bandied around are a little bit on the high side of what's actually really happening. And I what's actually what's actually actually happening. And I think uh, I think Alexis McAllister will sign for Liverpool in and around sixty million all in, which makes me feel a bit more comfortable. I don't know about you guys. Seventy million felt like not taking the piss. Because he's a very good player. He's a World Cup winner. Established player now in the Premier League. But 60 makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Particularly when we know what what FSG are like with regards to the the, the money. So, um, yeah. I'm happy with that one. If it, if it's 60 mil, that makes me feel a bit more comfortable. Also makes me feel a bit more optimistic about other signings and the money available for them. Uh, Stavisa Moat, thank you bud for subscribing to Prime. Said, reckon Nunes has much of a grace period left with us. Yeah, it's a fair question. It's a fair question, Steve. I'm going to say for me, yes, he does. I think, I think, I look, I could be deluded here, man. I could be, but I, I really do feel like we'll get Darwin right. What's annoyed me more than his performances have been the injuries. That's, if I'm being really honest with you, mate, what's kind of felt left me a bit frustrated is the injuries. Because, look, I can see in his play, I can see when I watch him, that, you know, he'll come together. He'll put the pieces together. He'll get used to what Klopp wants, and he'll be a more complete player. But the injuries are a bit concerning, right? It feels like we've had a few this season in, in year number one. Who else do you think will sign? I reckon Quinch, I reckon we're probably nailed on for Alexis, or not Alexis McAllister, for Mason Mount. As much as I'm still 
I'm I'm uncertain about Mason Mount. I'm uncertain until I know the numbers involved. Um which probably shouldn't be fair. You know, I should be just yes the player or no the player, but when you know how big this summer is for us and when you know the emphasis that is put on the rebuild of the midfield and the fact that we walked away from Bellingham and all this other stuff, it kind of makes you just feel like you want you want us to just just get everything right. Just I don't want to look at any transfer and, and have any doubts about it. I want to go, yes, yes, yes. I feel like with McAllister, it's a yes. I feel like if we bring in Ugarte, it's a yes. If we brought in Barella, it's a yes. If we bring in Mount, it's not a no, but I don't think it's a nailed on successful signing. Uh, had any more on Barella? Nothing, Kira. Absolutely nothing. From my side, anyway, new on Barella. Um, like you all, I'm just hoping that we get him signed because I'd love him. Uh, nothing on Thuram new that I've seen Bailey other than Liverpool are admirers of him. Maybe uh, maybe a little bit too premature for him to come to Liverpool yet. Um, doing really well at Nice and as I've said before, you know, comes from a very good footballing family. What's your thoughts on yesterday's game? Right, let's get stuck into it because I do have some stuff I want to get off my chest on this. Um, so on yesterday's game, a couple of things, right? It was lovely to see Bobby Firmino get that goal and get the send-off and the accolades that his time at Liverpool Football Club deserved. You know, the stadium was amazing. The players got the send-off that they should have. James Milner, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita, and of course Roberto Firmino, who also got the golden samba. But it was marred by a couple of things, wasn't it? It was marred by, of course, the fact that we you know, went behind in another game and had to force way back into it but most of all it was the referee yet again we see the pgmol be tone deaf in their appointment of officials and for those of you who aren't aware that referee john brooks was the referee who was a fourth official when jurgen klopp got up in his face uh, that game after he spoke about paul tierney where he got banned and he got banned for the comments he made about mr tierney in his post-match press conference and interviews but to put john brooks in charge of a game that could potentially decide not just our own faint Champions League hopes, but maybe Aston Villa's uh, hopes of a European place, maybe at the expense of another club, was ridiculous. And to see the game and the decision-making unfold the way it did, I don't know how they can defend it anymore. I don't know how they can even pretend that there isn't an agenda against referees in Liverpool Football Club. Now, I'm not saying other clubs' fans don't have referees and their own issues with the PGMOL. I hear you. I'm with you. The referees are appalling. I've said it for long enough. I've been consistent on this for long enough. But this whole tribal stuff has to stop. It can't just be, oh, yeah, the scouts feel like they're robbed or all oh, the manks feel like they're robbed. We have to come together and realise that these clowns are ruining the game for everyone. They're ruining our enjoyment of it. They're ruining the outcomes of it. They're ruining how we interpret rules of the game because they're taking these things into their own hands. How can that referee yesterday deem that Virgil van Dijk was in an offside position. Let me talk you through the thought process. So the ball gets floated in and Diaz heads it back across. We're then supposed to believe that the defender who lifted up his leg and raised it to the ball intentionally to hit the ball didn't intentionally play the ball, which is the excuse as to why van Dijk was offside. Now that's just one instance. And when you see that the referees, even on BT Sport, saying that it was an incorrect decision, it is a joke. That goal should have stood. There's no reason for that goal to be ruled out. And to say that the defender didn't play the ball intentionally is a piss take. Now that is probably the first time I can ever remember a referee being called over to VAR to look at an offside decision. You know VAR, the thing that they love to tell us, has a very high threshold and is there to clear up clear and obvious errors. 
Well, the referee gave the goal initially. And then when you give him, the man who clearly has something against us, an opportunity to shaft us, what does he do? Dot, dot, dot. He shafts us. But we're supposed to just stay calm. Add into that the orange card, which I'm going to call it, for Tyrone Mings. If that was a Liverpool player, we all know he'd have been walking. But Tyrone Mings got away with it. A high full on Cody Gakpo. You've seen the marks on his chest. Yet again, no case to answer. And that brings us to the Jordan Henderson penalty that wasn't really talked about too much. Blatant penalty, very clear, very obvious, and yet again we get shafted by VAR and the officials. Now I'm not saying we deserved anything from that game. Aston Villa came, they played really well, they're a very well coached team under Unai Emery and I have nothing but respect for them and it's not down to them. But yet again we see officials in the Premier League taking the fate of teams into their own hands because of ego, because they've been criticised. So rather than throwing your toys out with a pram PGMOL and rather than finding and banning managers, players, coaches, how about get your act together? How about get Howard Webb on Monday Night Football? Not speaking about the easy decisions and giving himself a big pat on the back about everything you've done right, but point out the ones you got wrong. Point out the consistent decision-making that has shafted over teams this season, that may relegate teams, that may cost teams a European place. And it is a bigger issue than those fans. It is a bigger issue than one club. And it happened clearly yesterday. Again, I don't think we particularly deserved anything from the game, but that's irrelevant. These decisions in their own right were a farce. And I don't know if you guys agree with me or disagree with me. If you're an, a different club's fan, I'd love your perspective on it. But to have three decisions, all, let's just say, right on the edge, and every single one of those decisions went against us yesterday. Penalty, nothing. Red card, nothing. Goal ruled out for what? Now look, I've no complaints with the penalty he awarded to Aston Villa. That was a penalty. Canade uh, was very uh, clumsy. That was a penalty. I've no issues with that. So yeah, award that, no problem. That was fair enough. The rest of it though, and that's before we get into all the little decisions, all the minor little incidents that happen throughout the game. How are we supposed to have respect? Do you want respect to the officials? They have to give it back. It has to be a two-way street. And how could you expect a manager when his reputation's on the line, when his job's on the line, when his income's on the line, when his team's hard work is on the line to keep his mouth shut when he can see what the rest of the world can see, which is that the referees in the Premier League have an agenda against certain clubs, have an agenda against teams they do not like, and continually shaft managers, players, clubs, and fans. How is that fair? Who is that benefiting? And how is it a good look for the league? Again, these lads are paid peanuts compared to referees in other leagues. We've done an analysis on this before. They're paid, I think, about four times less than their uh, compatriots who referee in La Liga. It's a joke. But we're being told that these lads are top of the game. We're being told by the PGMOL once again that respect has to be given. It doesn't just have to be given. Respect, and this is something we were all taught as kids, has to be earned. You've no right to be respected just because you show up. You've no right to be respected when you're out there making incorrect decisions just to get back at a man who wrongly was up in your face. I Go back and watch what I said at the time. I said it right then, I'll say it again. Jurgen Klopp had no business being up in that referee or fourth official's face uh, when he pulled his hamstring. No problem with him being pissed off about that. But to then see the PGMOL give this referee the game with the Premier League, 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think maybe we'd have been a little bit better off there if we hadn't made that appointment. Maybe we could have avoided a circumstance where we potentially look bad. But they don't care. They don't care because they're a cartel. They don't care because they think they're demigods. They don't care because they really don't care. That's the thing. So rather than have a pop at me, rather than coming into the chat and saying Scouser's crying, remember, it's going to be you soon. It's going to be you next season. What if it costs your club a promotion? What if it costs your club a cup final? What if it costs your club a place in Europe? What if it costs your club a place in the Premier League? Is it acceptable then? No. It isn't acceptable, my friends. And we deserve better and we have to petition for better. We have to argue for better. We have to fight for better because these lads are a joke. I don't care who you get in. Bring in referees from other parts of the world. You have the money. But sort it out because we are getting shafted week in and week out because of personal biases, because of personal grievances between officials, managers and players. What says you? Let me know. Right. My friends, that's my little rant about referees. Um, and I'm fucking sick of them. I'm sick of them. And look, I don't have the problems that Klopp has. I can say what I want. I can call these lads fucking charlatans. I can call them piss takers. I can call them out for what they are. Klopp's a bit restricted in what he said. But where's the media on this? Why, why are we seeing this hammered home? I also want to hear from opposition clubs. I want to hear from United fans. I want to hear from Chelsea fans. I want to hear from Arsenal fans. I want to hear from Spurs fans. I want to hear from whoever you support about decisions that have shafted you that have been so blatantly clear that you're left scratching your head. How in an age of VAR, how in an age of video technology that we can see what they can see are these things suddenly changed and thresholds for clear and obvious changed at the drop of a hat. Anybody who's ever played a game of football will know. If you raise a body part, arm, head, foot, towards a ball, you're playing that ball. You're making a movement to play that ball. So to say that the, re the defender didn't intentionally play that ball, it didn't come off him from a short distance. It didn't bounce off his chest or his knee. He lifted his goddamn leg and played the ball and it inadvertently went to Virgil van Dijk. Uh, the game of Newcastle, I can remember as a United fan that we were robbed, said Jay Burnell. The ref yesterday was disgusting, not just yesterday, plenty of times this season, but yesterday stood out, said Alfie. Uh, it's a disgrace that they could literally have cost us top four. Look, even at that, like I don't want this to be like, that's the reason we didn't get top four. We didn't get top four because we weren't good enough. Let's be fair about this. But yes, the refs are absolute chancers, spoofers, codders, and a lot of other words that I probably can't say right now. The refs are getting too much money. They're actually not. In all honesty, dude, they're actually not. Referees in England, if we've done the comparison, I haven't got the numbers to hand at the minute, um, they're paid about a quarter of the referees in La Liga, as an example. They're, they're the lowest of the top six leagues in Europe. They're lower than La Liga, lower than Serie A, lower than the Bundesliga, lower than Liga, oh, and lower than the Portuguese Primera Division. That, that's appalling. And also, one more little thing to get off my chest. Can everybody stop blowing smoke up the arse of Manchester City? If I have to sit through Sky Sports or Sky Sports News blowing smoke up and fluffing Pep Guardiola as much as they have, just do what we all know. Just come on, somebody, please. One journalist, one goddamn pundit. Just come on and go, it's a farce. It's a sham. It's shallow. It's plastic. Nobody gives a shit. Did you guys see the images yesterday outside the Etihad? Literally a man and his dog. Actually, maybe a woman and her dog. But that's what I seen when I turned it on. A dog on a leash and a woman there 
or a man there, I can't remember which one, in a city top. And sporadic people just all over the place. Contrast that to COVID, where we're in lockdown and Anfield. And you'll see what it actually looks like when a club who has fans, when a club who has integrity, when a club who does things in the right way celebrates. I'm sick of it. I'm never, ever going to stop talking about it. I'm never, ever going to give them credit because it's shallow, because it's cheating, and because it's fucking disgusting. And yet the media can't blow smoke up their arses quick enough. Do your damn jobs. Do your damn jobs that we're paying you a lot of money for our subscriptions instead of getting Mika fucking Richards, who seems like a lovely guy, to come on and tell us how this Manchester City side is the greatest side that ever kicked the football. No, they aren't, Mika. They're a bunch of fucking money-grabbing arseholes who are absolutely taking the piss on how Liverpool, Manchester City and other clubs are trying to compete with them. It's a joke. Call it out rather than telling us all how fucking great they are. Because we're not idiots. We can see how it's been assembled. We can see the rules have been broken. 115 fucking charges! But yet we're supposed to say that they're the greatest team that ever grazed the football pitch. Fuck off. Quite simply. Honestly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing all these pundits on television tell us how great they are. Tell us how brilliant Pep is. Yes, he's a very, very good manager. No denying that. But he's also a cheat, as are Manchester City. They're also looking us in the eye as they lie. They're sticking two fingers up the football. The football that we all grew up, we're sporting integrity when it takes four years to investigate them. And then they're arguing, not that they're really innocent. Oh no, we can't have this fan. We can't have this lad on the judiciary panel because he's an Arsenal fan. Because therefore he's biased. But the emails that were leaked, they were stolen, so they're not real. Doesn't matter that our, our higher-ups are, are bragging about that they can do what they want and move money where they want. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen if Manchester City actually get dealt with? We're not going to get these years back. You're not going to get your money back. Sky aren't going to give you a refund. You're not going to get those promotional parties that you were denied or those league title wins or those FA Cup wins or the Champions League win back. No. We're going to have hatched that through four years of seeing these fucking arseholes take the piss and treat us like morons while the idiots at Sky and elsewhere keep blowing smoke up their arse and tell us that they're all about the game, that they're all about removing hate, that they're all about removing... How about removing the fuckers that are cheating? How about removing the fuckers that are putting the game into disrepute? How about removing the clowns who are making a goddamn mockery out of football? Any chance of that? Or is it all just sound bites and nonsense? So just in case anyone ever asked me why I'm never on Sky or BT or <laughs> anywhere, that's why. Because I couldn't sit there and stomach the fucking hypocrites. I couldn't sit there and listen to them babble on about this great team. Because they're not. Yes, they're a good footballing side, but we can't just ignore how they got there. Oh, but, but, but we've balanced the books. Don't care. What about the 10 years before that? Am I going to apologise if they get proven not guilty? No. Never. I've seen the emails. I don't need anyone to tell me. I've seen the communication. I've seen what I've seen. And I don't give a fuck. I am never, ever going to acknowledge this Manchester City team. Ever. I'll acknowledge United. I'll acknowledge Arsenal. Anyone else. But PSG and Manchester City can do one. Never. Why would I apologise? If they get away with it, it won't be that they're innocent. 
You know that and I know that. Let's call a spade a spade. If they get away with it, it'll be on a technicality or because they got better lawyers or because they threw more money at it. It won't be because the 115 charges, not two, not four, 115 charges. So what about if you are proved guilty and you fuck off? Will you just disappear? Will you just wind down the club? So rather than coming in and saying what happens if they're not, how about basing yourself in reality? If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, guess what? It's a motherfucking duck. Quack. Ella, how are you, my friend? Said, no, the cheat's being charged and Neville needs to stop saying other teams spend more. If you want to use the argument that Manchester City over the past five, six, seven years have started to change things around, become more financially stable, bring in money, yes. But again, I ask you, how did you get from where you were to the top of the table? How did you get from where you were to where you are now? Because you didn't do that by doing what you're doing. You did that by doing what we all know that you probably did. Can't stand Pep Guardiola pretending he's the saint that would walk if they were guilty. It changed for me. My respect for Guardiola went out the window when he came out and basically doubled down on Manchester City being innocent. That, that to me, was the end of my respect for Guardiola. Look, I'm not going to sit here and ever say that the man is an incredibly good coach. He is. Of course he is. The man knows football inside out. But he's ruined his legacy. He's tarnished it in world football. You can say what you want, go where you want, talk who you want. Your career basically stopped after you landed from Bayern Munich to Manchester City for most of us football fans. Because we've seen what you did at Barca. We've seen what you did at Bayern. We know how they get their money, how they fund their clubs. Correctly. Barca taking the piss a little bit in recent times, granted, but at least we're held accountable. And I have nothing against the players as such either. I mean, they're not dumb. You know what I mean? They, they know. They know what we know. But ultimately, you know what I mean? And I get that. You've got families to support, lives to live, careers to go with, but you're never going to have the uh, the respect and adulation of the world, of the real football folks out there who look at it and see Bobby Firmino yesterday. That's how you send off a club legend. That's how a player feels like shit. This is different. This hits different. I'm a god right now. They're out there looking at Bobby Firmino, saying his goodbyes, tearing his eye. The, the whole stadium singing Si Senor, the mural outside. That's what, that's what it means if you're at a club like Liverpool or a club like Manchester United. A club that win things, three players the right way, do things the right way and actually idolise players. So yeah, Bobby won one of everything. And yeah, maybe he won't have as many trophies as De Bruyne or Aguero. But you know what he can do? He can go to bed at night, put his head on his fucking pillow and know that he did things in the right way for the right club. A club that tried to actually play from within their means. And a club that tried to build a foundation of success off what they could actually afford. And not off a nation's wealth. Where's the jeopardy? I've said this time and time again. Where's the jeopardy when you don't have to run a business to actually make sense? Because it's not fair on anyone. What's jeopardy? Danger. You know? Let's say you were running a business, mate. And you had... um, to make sure that that business had enough money every week to pay the staff, to keep viable, uh, and to be competitive against your competitors. You have to do that in a way you can afford to do it, and in a way that's, of course, within the rules of business. If you've got a country's wealth, and you're losing 10 million, 15, 20, 100, 150, 200 million, look at Roman Abramovich when he ran Chelsea. 
£900,000 a week over 19 years was the average losses sustained by Chelsea. Most clubs can't afford that because they're run as businesses. Yes, there's an emotional investment from us fans, but ultimately they're run as a business. So it has to make sense, has to be viable, and it has to be sustainable. Can we say that that's the case? You can tell me that, that Manchester City's owners will never walk away, or that Newcastle's owners may never walk away. But what if they do? What if they get bored? What if the world shifts and football isn't as sexy as it once was and they just decide to asset strip the shit out of the club? What happens then? I know people are going to tell me it won't, but I've seen it done. Go to France. Go to Spain. Have a look over there. Look at Malaga. Look at other clubs. It happens. You might not think it. You might say to me, but Craig, they're doing all the right things. They're improving the area. They're improving around the Etihad. They've built the brilliant campus. They've invested in the city. Yeah, but why have they done it? Why have they done it? Have they done it because they deeply love Manchester City? Or have they maybe done it to give a good light to their country around the world? Now, if you want to spend money on your country and you want to invest in public relations and you want to, you know, tell people to travel and visit your country, of course, that's absolutely fine. But don't do it through a football club. Don't do it by trying to take away the disgusting things that you've done in the past and gloss over it with success on a sporting arena. That's horseshit. And to all the people of Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia, I mean no disrespect to any of you. I hope someday to meet you guys. I hope to visit your countries and I hope to enjoy myself and I hope to learn more about your heritage, about your cultures and about your wonderful countries. I sincerely do. There's no xenophobia coming from me to your part of the world in any way, shape or form. I promise you that. But I can't just ignore this. I can't see a sport that I've idolised, that I've kicked the ball around since I was a kid, that I've dedicated most of my fucking life to, destroyed by greed and by evil. I can't do it. I cannot sit by and watch that happen. So anyway, if you don't know what I mean about Togden, have a look at the videos doing the rounds. Um, however he tries to dress this up, he went and met a fan of his, who was also a Bolton fan, and I think the fan had a goalkeeper's glove, a match-worn goalkeeper's glove or something like that. And Togden said, do you want to give it to me? And the kid, I'm assuming, kind of, I don't know, un unaware of what was happening or, you know, not processing the information, said, yeah, sure. And then he takes the kid's glove. Dress it up how you want. Send your old lad into people's DMs all you want, mate. Because we all know what you are. You're not a very nice fella. You're a fucking fraud. You know about as much about football as this bottle of Volvic. And anybody who's ever tried to be nice to you, you probably shafted. Certainly did with me, mate. Certainly did with other people I'm aware of. So just read the room, mate. Just read the room. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, cu I couldn't fucking believe what I was seeing, honestly. Uh, someone said Togden also filmed the guy having a cardiac arrest and only took it down after getting called out. So, like, I would never encourage hate on anyone. I'm saying what I feel. I'm not asking anyone to say that and do that or post that. I'm saying what I see and saying how I feel. And I don't. I'm certainly not encouraging anyone to have a go at anyone. When we see these lads held up as the face of YouTube, when we see them on Soccer Saturday or whatever the fuck it's called, Saturday Social, when we see them given all these opportunities, when we see them out there being the face of YouTube and the face of football YouTube, they're the reason why we have a bad reputation. They're the reason why people don't take us seriously. They're the reason why people think that it's full of idiots who don't know anything. Because once again, people who have no fucking knowledge are getting given all these opportunities because they stay stupid shit.
Any of us can say stupid shit. I can say stupid shit. I could have come out and gone, uh, Haaland's not going to score any goals this season. That's real disrespectful to the Premier League. But I wouldn't say that because I'm not an idiot. And look, save your time, Togden, and your old lad. I don't want you in my DMs. I don't want you popping in. I don't want you saying, I felt what you said about Theo was unfair. Just read the fucking room. Read the room. Because we know they form for that as well. You know, slipping into the LDMs. Going, I found that very unfair, what you said about Theo. Did you? Well, he's a little arsehole. I'll call it out. I'll say it as it is. He's an arsehole. Who doesn't love a bit of a ranty scream? I say these things. I know I'm going to get in trouble. I'm not, like, I'm going to end up losing this channel someday because someone's going to call, like, report me or send solicitor's letters again. I don't care. Like, again... There are a lot of people out there doing a lot of great work. A lot of great YouTubers, a lot of great Twitch streamers, a lot of great people out there that never get any of the recognition that some of these absolute gobshites at the top get. Some of these lads who have about as much football information as a blade of grass. Like, It's crazy. I don't know when we got to a world that rewards stupidity. I don't know when we got to be in a world that rewards people for being idiots, that rewards people for saying stupid things. Why? Reward excellence, reward work rate, reward graft, loyalty, friendliness. Not all this other stuff that we're seeing rewarded these days. What example is that setting to the next generation? What example is that setting? Say what you want about Goldbridge, and I've said a lot. The man grafted his ass off to get to where he is. And I'll never begrudge him that. Never. But when I see these other clowns coming on saying stupid shit, and they're the face of our industry. Right, let's talk about Manuel Ugarte. The Echo had um, a post that uh, said Liverpool scouts to watch Manuel Ugarte. Liverpool have reportedly sent scouts to watch Manuel Ugarte this Sunday. If my memory's correct, Lisbon are playing Benfica tonight. Uh, interest from Anfield and the sporting Lisbon midfielder appear to have cooled. However, there is thought to be direct eyes on him against Benfica. Reports from Record, who I believe are... Um, I believe our Portuguese media outlet suggests Liverpool are still front runners for a signature with Aston Villa and Chelsea also uh, monitoring Ugarte's situation. His release clause is understood to be around 60 million euro, but will the Uruguayan touchdown in the Premier League? So I, I don't know what to believe on Ugarte. I really don't. I want to believe that we're in for him. I want to believe that we want them because like we all want them, right? But I've not seen any English journalists that I'm aware of whatsoever confirm that this interest is there but why would we be sending scouts now you could make an argument that maybe we're sending scouts to look at Inacio which is absolutely possible but maybe it's hope at this point because we all want them right can we do a poll actually Mark if we could if you'd be so kind mate um, to say do you want Manuel Agartha at Liverpool yes or no I'd love to see how um, people are getting on uh, I think we need to start looking South American leagues more as three or four players we've been linked with have come from there. So the reason I guess we didn't always directly shop from, uh, let's say, Argentina or Brazil, um, I, I guess would have been around work permit issues. Now, obviously, I, I'm not aware of what the UK's work permit rules are after Brexit. I'm sure that they've they've altered a little bit. I don't sure. I'm not sure how the um, point system or whatever is used to to get these guys a visa comes in. I remember there used to be a system in place where if you played X amount of games for a country that was ranked 
highly in UEFA or FIFA, excuse me, you could apply for one or if you were classed as, um, for want of a better phrase, generational talent or something like that. I'm not so sure on Agarte due to the fact he looks good, but it, it doesn't. It's in the Portuguese league. It's a controversial one. Yeah, it's. Look, I get you. I get you. Um, you've seen mixed bags coming from Portugal. You've seen players come in and do really well. You've seen players come in and, and take a little bit of time to settle. And you've seen others that just haven't worked. But I think at 60 million euro, which is his release clause, which is about, what, 52 million pound, I think I'd understand it if we, if we made that move. Um, he's not the finished product, but why would he be at, what, 22? Who would you prefer, Shoemany or Ugarte? Too many. Yeah, without a doubt. What about yourself, Rory? Shoemany, 100%. And do you know what, mate? That could be because I've watched a lot more of him playing than I have of Ugarte. Seen a little bit of Ugarte in the Europa League, but not seen a whole lot of him. But I take Shoemany, definitely. And again, I take Shoemany as well because it's the one Klopp wants. Thoughts on Leeds going down. Um, They look in trouble, right? So... I didn't watch the games today. I know they lost, but I also know that Bamford went off injured again. And that's where they're going to struggle. They've got a home game to potentially save their Premier League status. Everton got themselves a point with a 99th minute Yerry Mina goal, which gives them a good chance on the last day. Leicester obviously playing Newcastle tomorrow. We'll be doing a watch along of that. Actually, I have the I have the agenda for next week. So on May 22nd, uh, we're going to have Newcastle-Leicester watch along. On Tuesday, we're going to have a transfer new show from half past eight. On Wednesday, transfer new show again. Thursday, Manchester United against Chelsea. Friday, we're going to uh, do a transfer stream. Saturday, day off. Sunday, obviously, Liverpool, Southampton, Southampton versus Liverpool watch along. Um, and then we're going to do an end of season stream as well tomorrow night. Not tomorrow night, Sunday night, sorry. Yeah, we do an end-of-season stream where we talk about player of the season, we talk about favourite moments and all that stuff as well. Uh, Lance said, got to sign someone to push Robbo. I agree with you on this, Lance. It's been something that has been on my mind a little bit in recent weeks. Um, Again, nothing against Costas, but I don't feel like Costas is being groomed and primed to be the successor to Andy Robertson. I don't think he's, don't think he's there. I don't think he will get there. So I guess the question is, at what point do we do we start to look to do that? To bring in somebody who can actually go head-to-head with Robbo, who can really put pressure on him? Because Costas is, is able in certain situations. He's a far more attack-minded player. But defensively, he worries me that he looks to step in front of players to win the ball at times. And if he doesn't get there, well, ball's past you and you're gone already. So, yeah, I would be against whether it be next season or this summer or whenever, against maybe looking to bring in somebody to challenge Robbo. That sounds really harsh, though, because I don't feel like Costas has done anything wrong. I just don't think... I don't think we've seen what we hoped we were going to get when we signed him and that that pressure that he's going to put on Robertson. What's happening to Matip? Um, it's, it is a strange one, Harry, because, again, unless I'm wrong, I don't remember... Anybody outside of Neil Jones reporting on Matip being the one that Liverpool are going to look to sell? Now, it makes sense. And I'm not saying Neil Jones is wrong at all. But what I'm saying is he's got a year to go on his Liverpool deal. If we're going to bring in a new centre-back, it makes sense to try and get a few quid for Matip and then bring one in. There's been a lot of talk about us looking for a centre-back. We spoke about Timber. We spoke about other players that Liverpool have looked at in that position. And... Um, yeah, I've not seen that else. Unless I've missed it, 
I've not seen any other journalist really single out him as the one that's getting sold. Matip deserves a farewell like Bobby. Well, no, he doesn't. But he deserves a big send-off. Don't get me wrong. Matip, I love Matip. He's a very, very good defender. But I don't think he has the same clout, for want of a better word, as uh, as Joel Matip or as Bobby Firmino. Bobby's just, Bobby's different, you know. He's just, he is a star. If I could sign the defender, who is it personally? That's Gavardial, right? It's it's Jasko Gavardial, but we ain't got the 90 million euro. And it looks like Manchester City may have the 90 million euro, shock horror, to go and sign him. Um. So for me, I don't know enough about Timber. I can tell you categorically we're looking at him. I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt we're interested. But I haven't watched enough of him to give you a, a yes or no from my perspective. I could lie to you and go, oh, yeah, he's fucking amazing. Oh, but I haven't watched that much of him. But again, if he's who Klopp wants, get him. What's latest on McAllister? Actually... Funny you mentioned that. This is what the media are reporting. And so, at Gaston Dull said he'll play for Liverpool and will be signed in a £70 million deal. I think it'll be a little bit less than that, but we'll move on. At TYC Sports, who I believe are the Argentine, Argentinian media outlet that first kind of put their head above the parapet, if that's the phrase, to um to speak about this. They said the deal is done. Uh, Ger Garcia Grova, again, at Ger, G-E-R, Garcia Grova, G-R-O-V-A, said Liverpool are one step away with just the final details with Brighton left to sort. Um, Fabrizio Romano, I, I don't think I need to spell that out for you. I think you all know who Fabrizio is at this point. Said the deal is a matter of final details with Liverpool very close to getting it done. Another journalist, at Arvalo underscore Martin, spelt at A-R-E-V-A-L-O underscore M-A-R-T-I-N, said, unless a tragedy happens, how many of you heard the, when I read that out, right? Come on, not just me. Um, the deal is done. So it's looking very, very likely. Thoughts on McAllister, haven't seen him play. He's very good. He's one of those players that you mightn't always see the flashy stuff from him. You might not always see a highlight real moment from him, but he's as honest as the day is long. He's got an incredible work rate, very technically good. As part of a World Cup winning team, you've seen what Brighton have achieved this season, you know, and he himself and, and Caicedo and some of the other really good players that, you know, Brighton have brought in there. Um, So, yeah, he's, he's very, very good. You know, I wouldn't be expecting him to you know, be challenging Salah for top goal score or breaking Trent's assist record or anything, but he'll go about his business in a very methodical, steady, professional, you know, good, good, good way. I'm, I'm very, very happy. Very happy. Yeah, so James Milner. So basically the gist of it is Klopp wanted Milner to stay and the club pulled out of negotiations. And I don't like that. I, I, I agree on the Milner moving on part, my own personal preference is I think, you know, we've seen as much as we're going to get from James Milner and I've nothing but respect for the man. But if Klopp wanted him, if Klopp said, I want him to stay, then fucking get him to stay. Don't tell me in one, in one eye that you, you don't want James Milner to stay and then tell me next week that you're renegotiating a potential deal to keep Adrian, I'm on 63 grand a week to be the third choice goalkeeper and I'm absolutely horrendous, San Miguel, at the club. I mean, offer that money to James Milner. If you've got a pool of money, 
that you're willing to give to Adrian, however small that pool of money is, give that to James Milner and see if he'll take it. Because I tell you what, I'd feel a lot better about life knowing that the club at least said, this man brings something to the table. This man brings leadership. This man brings a professional work ethic. This man brings fitness. This man brings everything. What does Adrian bring? Always. So look, I, I, I agree with the club's stance on Milner, but I don't like the undermining of Klopp. If Klopp wanted Jimmy Milner to say, then there would have been a reason why Klopp wanted Jimmy Milner to say. And if you don't agree with Klopp, I feel that's undermining undermining his authority as manager. I don't like it. But we need a third keeper. Great. Bring in Jan- bring in Pitaluga. Bring in Davies. Bring in, I don't care, anyone. But not Adrian. Three million pound a year. Three fucking million human pounds a year. For Adrian to what? Rent out a stadium so we can celebrate? I mean, I'll be the third choice keeper for two grand a week. I believe he's on more money than Creevy and Kelleher. Your second choice keeper. How does that work? How does your second choice goalkeeper, who Klopp won't sell unless we get a ridiculous offer, because he obviously knows Creevy's a very fine goalkeeper, is on less money than your man. Do you think Kelleher will be our Europa League keeper? I hope so. Be a nice little um, opportunity for Creevine. You know, give him the Europa League. Maybe even split the cup competitions. Give give him the uh, League Cup. Give Ali the FA Cup. Um, yeah, why not? At least the group stages, perhaps. You know, if, if you want, if you're getting to the final and you know, you want to make sure you're back in the Champions League and stuff. But then again, Creevine's going to... If Creevine's in, in goal for the Europa League final in Dublin, he'd be like fucking Superman. He'll be at home in Ireland. You know, we'll we'll make sure nothing gets past him in, in the stands. You know, the Irish people will make sure that Kelleher is given all that mental energy and help and love. And, you know, so he'll be unbeatable that day. Thoughts on Leeds rumoured heavily to buy Kelleher? Um, look... Whoever signs Kelleher, I think, is going to get a very good goalkeeper. You know, and I think the 15 million Liverpool have apparently put as the price point is more than fair. I I don't get it. I, I didn't get when Brentford kind of apparently turned their noses up and they're thinking it was too high. I, I don't. I think 15 million is more than fair. Remember, Creeping Kelleher is coming from, in my opinion, the greatest goalkeeping set up and academy or institution or you know level of training in england in my opinion uh right adrian 58 g's a week and kelleher 10 g's a week uh, and do you know what i mean wayne like there's nobody ever going to convince me that adrian san miguel is 5.8 times better than Queen kelleher <laughs> do you know what i mean not gonna happen thanks jens appreciate you um swap kelleher and adrian's wages around and i'll be fine with it Oh yeah, I could live with that. I could live with him on ten grand a week. Yeah. Uh, do you think Klopp is more likely to win us number twenty or number seven? Well, if you look at it from an odds perspective, right, we've got a guarantee that every year we'll be in Premier League. So you've got that. So next year, for instance, is a year in Klopp's contract where we won a Champions League football. So that's one year we can't win it. You know, but that reckoning, I'd say twenty. But what I prefer him to win number seven. 
So to me, I, I, I'm all about the Champions League, all about the European Cup. Um, I wanted us to win the Premier League because it hadn't happened in my lifetime because we hadn't won a league in 30 years and we did it. Um, and I'd love to see it done again. I'd love to see the boys get to celebrate and, you know, have the real proper adulation of the fans that they didn't quite get in the COVID season. But I'm still more about the European Cup. I can't lie. Just, just love that competition. Love that trophy. Love. Yeah, I just love it. But I, look, I get as well people saying the league's your bread and butter. No issues with that whatsoever. You know, to, if you win a Premier League and your name is at Manchester City, it's an incredible feat. It's an incredible achievement. Uh, Craig, after finishing fifth this year, what's the predictions for next year if we get the signs we need? I, I'm comfortable to say top three, you know, and we'll be in the mix. But I don't think anybody outside of the Abu Dhabi Blues fan base can really say without any hesitation that, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're challenging for the league next year. I hope we're there. I want us to be there. Um, but... You know, I'm expecting a lot of money to be spent this summer across the board. Uh, I think the Prem is starting to turn into other leagues like La Liga, where you can only have a few teams to pay to win, like Madrid and Barcelona. Well, they even their television deals are different, from my understanding of La Liga. So at least in the Premier League, I guess that they can say they thro- they tried, but look, I think I think the integrity of the Premier League and English football lies in this case with Manchester City. That's how strongly I feel about it. If Manchester City get off scot-free with these charges on some bullshit technicality or legal loophole or something that isn't very, very, very clearly we did nothing wrong, I think the league's in serious trouble. Do we want it to be a rich person's play thing? Do we? Is that what we really want? Just like whoever throws the most money at it? Um, because where does it stop? You know, when when where does this mad number stop? Like, when are they gonna say, well, a player isn't worth a billion quid? Who knows? As I said, if you're spending a whole fucking nation's GDP or income on a player or on a club, you know, it's not a real loss, is it? You know, if it's been soaked up by a nation. Sky started it back in United in the nineties. Didn't Rupert Murdoch try to buy? United. I'm. I've I've a recollection of this, but I'm not going to sit here and say I know it inside out. But I have, I have a memory of him trying to buy Manchester United. Man City deserved to be booted out of the English league and have their club. I can't read the last bit, but look, if charges are proven, I want the strictest of punishments. Because remember, they doubled down. They doubled down and insist on their innocence. Do you think we will ever lift the Prem on the clock again? 50-50. Actually, did you see what Jamie Carragher said? Somebody will have the numbers on this. But he said, for Liverpool to win the Premier League in the season that we won it, we went and won 26 and drew one of our first 27 games or something like that. Like, that's what we had to do to win the Premier League. You know, we finished with 97 points second. We finished... No, we've had heartache and we've set standards that would have won leagues in any other era, in any other seasons, other than the petrodollared um, machine that is Manchester City. So maybe if we get off to a good start and jump out to a lead, perhaps. But I think I, I would feel we've more chance of winning a Champions League. 
so where's this coming from? Chris Bascom, Bascom, excuse me. There's an indication that Liverpool will sign at least four players this summer. Three midfielders and a defender. Good. That works for me. If we if we can bring in three midfielders and a defender, yeah, I think we're in good shape. It might be pure delusion, but we're winning it all next season. Yeah, we are, Casey. I love it. I, again, Casey, back to you. This could be absolute delusion, but I'm absolutely convinced we're in the Europa League final in Dublin. I, I, like that is, it's pure arrogance, dude, from me, and it's pure uh, weird behaviour. But in my head, we're in the Europa League final in Dublin next year. You think if Trent should be fully moving to midfield, bringing the new right back, as how open we look when we lose the ball. I've only really seen one team be able to exploit that since Klopp changed it, and that was Aston Villa. And full credit to Unai Emery and Aston Villa for that. You know, one of the things that, that I've said on a few streams after this new role from Trent was that we didn't lose stuff defensively. You know, Trent was running back in um in a straight line to get back into a defensive position, and Ibu was stepping across to the right-hand side to cover at times. I can't say it's something I've seen all the time in this new role of Trent. I only really noticed it being exploited yesterday. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's been figured out now. Maybe, you know, there is a way the teams can get in. Um, Ollie Watkins certainly had some joy down the uh, right-hand side, his left-hand side yesterday. Uh, Chris, I didn't see what happened with any junior, mate. You know, I, honestly, I don't know. But the poor lad has already um, suffered racist abuse previously. Um and as I said, having not seen it, I don't know what's happened. But yeah, I mean, if, if he's been abused again racially, I mean, fucking hell. Like you were talking about top three player in the league, in La Liga, maybe the best, I don't know. Um, An incredible footballer, really gifted, blossomed this season into, you know, another level again at Real Madrid. Um. And if he's been racially abused, the Liga want to get their finger out and make sure that he and any other player that are subjected to vile, disgusting, Neanderthal-type behaviour, that it gets sorted and that he gets the, the respect and protection he deserves as a human being, never mind as a footballer, as a human being. Um, Yeah, that needs to be stamped out. It, it is fucking pathetic, quite frankly pathetic to hate on somebody not because they're a better footballer than the ones that you support or because you've had a personal disagreement with them or because you don't like their views on politics or to hate on a man a woman or a child or anybody because of the color of their skin or because of who they love or because of how they look is pathetic it's an embarrassment to society um he should be annoying you because he's good he should be annoying you because he's turning your defenders inside out. And you should be calling him a shithouse. And you should be telling him he's crap. And you should be telling him he's a B-tech whoever. But to, to have a go at him over his skin colour? Is that really where we are? Disgusting. Disgusting, man. Ah, disgusting. Nothing else can be said. It's, it's um, pathetic. He got racially abused, pointed out the fan who abused him, and they didn't do anything. He was later sent off in the game. Now, uh, La Liga president has now been critical of him being so critical of the Spanish fans. I 
I don't know what to say to that other than it hurts me to read that. And I'm a Barca fan, remember, I, I don't like Real Madrid one bit. But again, respect is there for Real Madrid and for those Madrid players. And Vinny Jr. has been incredible. We've seen firsthand how good he is this season at Anfield. Um, yeah, be better. People be better. Authorities be better. Stewards be better. Police be better. Um, I think with Vinicius Jr. now, it is at the point where Real would feel within their rights to walk off the pitch and, and just do more to draw attention to this because he shouldn't be subjected to that. Shouldn't be subjected to that just because he's he's a good footballer or because he's beaten your team or... Yeah, it's fucking... It's pathetic. Uh, if the news about four signings is right, realistically, I want Thuram, McAllister, Ugarte and Timber. What about you? Um, Barella... McAllister, I'm going to go with the crowd on Timber, even though I'll, I'll absolutely admit to you I haven't watched that much of him, but people think very highly of him. Um, and look, yeah, I'd like Ugarte as well as the defensive midfielder, or Shuameni, if heaven forbid Real Madrid wanted to sell him and we had the money. Uh, Inacio, Ugarte, Alexis McAllister and Thuram for Casey, Inacio for Maddy. I personally don't want Timber if he'll play centre-back because he's only 5'10". You know, usually, yes, I'd say, but like, look at Cannavaro, Maldini, these lads, they weren't huge fellas, um, especially Cannavaro. You know, if memory's right, I don't think he, was he over six foot? Um, so I don't know if the height is necessarily a problem because you would always have like Van Dyke or Canade or, you know, you'd have somebody there as well who's, who's over six two, six three. I'd love McAllister, Mount and Lavia as our midfielders and Guardiola as a centre-back if we've lots of money. I've only really seen stuff about City being linked to Guardiola and um, which, is, which is a sickener because we know he'd love to come to Liverpool. We know we'd love him. We know he's a good defender. But I also agree that we probably don't need a €90 million Euro centre-back at the moment. Look at Lissandro Martinez. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched every United game this season, but I certainly think that the the feedback has been that he's, he's been good at United. Do I think FSG will spend... Well, they have to, Harry. I don't think it's it's will. They, they have to. You know, if we don't spend, we're only going to go one way, and that's down the table. Didn't Cannavaro win a Ballon d'Or? I think he was the last defender to win it, if my memory is correct, Matthew. Um, we should have been talking about Virgil van Dijk as the last defender to win a Ballon d'Or, but I think Cannavaro was the last. Um, and if van Dijk didn't win it that season, I, I don't know what's going to take for somebody to win a Ballon d'Or as a centre-back. Oh yeah, Carlos Puyol, that's another great show. Yeah, he wasn't the giant either. And my God, Carlos Puyol had a career. Do you think Darwin's better to the middle or to the left? For us, what we have right now, probably the left. But I think long term, for his own sanity and as a focal point, maybe through the centre. But right now, that's Cody Gakpo's shirt. Right, Franz Beckenbauer, 5'11", Cannavaro, 5'9", Puyol, 5'10", Baresi, 5'9", Koeman, 5'11", Silva, 5'11", Mascherano, 5'8". What was, um, was Maldini over 6'4"? Um, 
yeah, so look, again, just to reiterate tonight, I will be on tomorrow from half past seven, where we're going to do a watch-along of Newcastle-Leicester. Obviously, a big game for double reasons, for Newcastle pretty much confirm, well, to confirm their spot in the Champions League. Um, for Leicester, see if they can avoid relegation. And then we'll have a transfer news stream on Tuesday, another one on Wednesday. United-Chelsea watch-along on Thursday. Uh, transfer stream Friday, day off for everyone on Saturday, and then Sunday we're going to be doing the watch-along of the game, all the post-match stuff, and then I'll be back on on Sunday night for an end-of-season um, egg stravaganza. So, yeah, busy week ahead. As always, appreciate your time tonight. Casemiro? Uh, go. Thank you, buddy, for the bits. Uh, thank you to everyone that joined us tonight. It was free Friday, even though it's Sunday. So appreciate all your comments. Uh, thank you for your support, for your time, for your appreciation of what we do and for everything. You're amazing. Appreciate you all. And uh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. Much love. Take care. Bye-bye.